In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Happy Easter! What a joy it is to see you here this morning. Whether you are a long time and active member of this very quirky little community, <laughs> or you are visiting with us for the first time, or you are somewhere in between, back perhaps after a long absence, let me say welcome. And I say this every year, but uh, I want to especially welcome those of you who got dragged here by well-meaning loved ones. <laughs> bless them for bringing you, and bless you for being here. May this day be filled with joy for us all as we celebrate this most sacred of mysteries. So, it's okay, it's, it's clear to me actually that I have the Easter Bunny on my brain today. But I want to begin this morning by reminding us of a story of the tortoise and the hare. It's a story that most of us know, an old Aesop fable, where a rabbit, a hare, challenges a tortoise to a foot race. Now, of course, the hare is fast, and the tortoise is slow. And so when the race begins, the hare, of course, gets an insurmountable lead on the tortoise, right? But deciding it would be no fun to simply blow the tortoise out of the water, the hare decides to wait near the finish line in order to, to rub the victory in the tortoise's little green face. <laughs> well, we probably know what happens, right? The hare grows bored while waiting for the tortoise and decides to take a nap, falls asleep. The tortoise plugs along as fast well, or, or as slow as those little green legs would carry them until the tortoise passes by the sleeping hare. The hare suddenly wakes up to see that the tortoise is near the finish line, and the hare gets up and runs as fast as they can, but of course, to no avail, it is the tortoise who wins the race. Now, like all fables, there are morals to this story, right? Beware of arrogance comes to mind. So too does the lesson of slow and steady wins the race. But I wanna draw your attention to the subversion of expectations that this story provides. There's a reversal of what we would expect, right? In this story, we would expect the hare to win, and win easily, as the hare would have done if they hadn't been smug and overconfident. However, that makes, what makes this this fable, a compelling story, is that our expectations are overturned and, and we're invited to see something new. We're invited to see the possibility and potential of a world where tortoises can actually beat rabbits at races. The story of the tortoise and the hare asks us to imagine a world where the impossible becomes a reality where what we think we know about the world is overturned. 
I bring this up because today is a day of overturned expectations. Today is a day where what we think we know is negated. And we're invited to imagine a world where the, the suffering and the pain, brokenness and death that so dominate our lives, that those powers are defeated and put to flight by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's not like God wasn't at work like this from the get-go. Opening the pages of our Bibles, we can see that they are filled with accounts where God subverts and overturns expectations. Take the story of Abraham and Sarah, who finally have a child at an age where that seemed impossible. Take the story of the people of Israel, slaves in the land of Egypt, who are liberated through God's grace and favor. Those people should have been defeated by Pharaoh and his army, but instead it is the Israelites who escape and the Egyptians who are defeated. Take the shepherd David, who becomes king, even though he has seven older brothers. And Jesus, for his part, he keeps this subversion of expectations going. Jesus was always subverting the presumptions of the world around him. Jesus, in a scandal, ate with tax collectors and sex workers in a time when religious leaders didn't do that kind of thing. Jesus not only healed people, but he pronounced their sins forgiven or healed them on the Sabbath day. Jesus challenged and subverted the expected understandings of his time and revealed that God's grace and love was unbounded and could not be contained. But not only that, Jesus subverts expectations by seemingly failing, failing miserably, failing spectacularly. For his followers and friends, Jesus' death is the announcement of a defeat. His death broke their hearts. Jesus was supposed to usher in God's kingdom and reign from on high. But instead, he got himself arrested and got executed on a cross of all places. Instead of triumph, Jesus became seemingly cursed by being hung from a tree. We can see this apparent failure by turning our attention to Mary Magdalene this morning. Think of what Jesus' death meant to her. She had been healed by Jesus and had followed him on his way of love. For her, Jesus represented a new future with new possibilities. Jesus represented a new world of affirmation and forgiveness by God. Jesus represented the hope for a new reality for her people and her nation, a new political and social order. And as we begin our gospel lesson this morning, and she comes to Jesus' tomb, not only is Jesus now dead, in her mind, the hope that Jesus represented died with him.
But that is only the start of things for her. What she finds when she arrives at the tomb this morning is a shock. The massive stone that had covered the entrance of the tomb is rolled aside. She runs and runs to tell the other disciples in pure desperation. She tells them, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. And after that rather ridiculous account of the foot race between Peter and the beloved disciple, we again see Mary standing in front of the tomb. And now she is weeping. I invite you to glimpse into Mary's pain this morning. She grieves not only the death of her friend, but the death of her hope. Look at her despair and recognize within it some of your own fears, your own grief, your own moments where you lack hope. When I look at Mary weeping at the tomb, I can look into the mirror and see some of my own anguish. Our world is a mess. Our country is ensnared in deep partisan division where the future of our democracy is under genuine threat. Climate collapse is well on its way. Misogyny and white supremacy seem to be thriving. Corruption seems to be everywhere. The gap between the rich and the poor grows. Our society has turned trans children and librarians and teachers into villains. I find I rage against the injustice of the world, but that rage, it seems so powerless and so useless. And it seems to me sometimes that in many ways as a people, we are lost. And some of us, we are lost in our personal lives as well. All of us, at least to a certain extent, are living lives of so-called quiet desperation but let's admit that some of us are more desperate than others. The fear and anxiety that we have as human beings is that guilt and meaninglessness, injustice and death are ultimately the final truth, the final reality. And when we can face those fears square on, when we can look directly at them, then we will know Mary's anguish before that empty tomb. Mary despairs. And yet, something keeps her turning back. It's as if, even in the gloom of her heartache, a spark of hope still remains. Mary turns and sees a man she assumes is a gardener. Jesus meets Mary, but she is blind to him. Mary is blind to hope and to the possibility of hope. 
And yet a spark must remain. And she turns toward him. And then Jesus speaks her name, Mary. And we are told that she turns one last time. Hope becomes a possibility. No, hope becomes a reality. And she sees. And that spark, it bursts into flames. The Easter message is that we have cause for hope, always and everywhere. But this, this hope that Easter embodies, it's not an abstract hope. It's not a, it's not a principle that there is a silver lining with every dark cloud. It is a hope grounded in a particular series of events. The Easter hope is grounded in the death of a first century Jewish prophet who was, in time, understood to be God's love incarnate as a human being. And that particular human being was executed and then raised from the dead. And this resurrection, it's not just about him. It's not just about his life being renewed and made new. No, this resurrection has universal significance. For in Christ's death, God has ventured into the deepest depths of godlessness in order to fill those depths with God's presence, with God's love. Every situation, every moment, even the darkest of moments, have within them the potential to break forth with a light of resurrection. Every instance, every situation has the potential to radiate with the grace and love of God. This hope is grounded in the particular, within the particular life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but it is the lens by which we should come to see everything. As Jesus rises from the tomb, misery, brokenness, guilt, animosity, injustice, they are all defeated. New life becomes possible as the shackles of sin and death are thrown off. It's not that we deny the reality of suffering and death or claim that they have no power over our lives. We know that they do. But we do bear witness. We witness that even in the moments of the least hope, God's possibility shines and that God has ultimately and will ultimately triumph over every cause of grief and sorrow. Easter reveals to us that human brokenness and death, they are not the final reality. When Mary turns for the final time and she sees the risen Christ, a new world becomes possible for her. Her turning around from the place of despair, her turning from the void to the risen Christ, this is her conversion, her moment of awakening, her moment of seeing 
God's power at work in the world. And in her conversion, she now refuses to accept the void as the final truth. What she had come to expect from the power of death has become overthrown. And a new creation has been ushered in. And having come to behold her overturned expectations, she cannot help but share the news. She runs back to the disciples announcing, I have seen the Lord. With Mary, we are invited to imagine a world where the impossible becomes possible where the impossible becomes reality. We might expect sorrow and death to ultimately prevail, but God longs to subvert our expectations in Christ's great reversal. This this church community is striving to bear witness to this reality. We are a community that is striving to live more and more fully into the reality of the triumph of God over the powers of sin and death. We're striving to say with Mary, I have seen the Lord. If you are not currently a member of this community, please know that you are always welcome to walk with us on this path of discovery and transformation. For Christ is risen, and the tomb is emptied of its dead. And Christ, having risen from the dead, has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Sin and death have been cast down. No matter what, you have come here this morning in hope. You've come here in hope. Even if it is only an ember, nurture that hope. Let the Holy Spirit blow on that spark. Let it burst aflame. Allow God to overturn and subvert your expectations. Amen and alleluia.